0: Hello everyone. I'm your host Merdula Barthy, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurological Disorder Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Jess Clough, who is from Newcastle, Australia, which is just north of Sydney. She has a neurological condition called functional neurological disorder, which causes a problem with how her brain receives and sends information to the rest of her body. FND was actually called conversion disorder until recently, due to Sigmund Freud who is an Austrian neurologist. While his ideas on psychology were revolutionary for his time period in the 1900s, medicine has changed so much since then. So in this episode, we address the stigma that Freud's ideas have brought to functional neurological disorder and how we can all work together to bring modern perspectives to medicine. FND varies greatly from person to person and symptoms can range from leg and arm weakness, to seizures and episodes of shaking or loss of consciousness. The cause of FND is unknown, but scientists think it may be triggered by neurological disorders or by a reaction to stress or trauma, but this is not always the case. To diagnose FND, a healthcare provider will carry out assessments to see if there are typical clinical features of FND. They may also test for other diseases and conditions before diagnosing FND, like multiple sclerosis or epilepsy, just to rule them out, because so many neurological conditions share the same symptoms as FND. However, in FND, there is no physical damage to the brain structures, like in a stroke or multiple sclerosis. It's a functional disorder that affects how the brain functions and receives and sends information. In this episode, Jess talks about how her doctor actually told her to Google her condition, which leads into our conversation about a term that I've never heard before called medical gaslighting. As far as treatment for FND goes, it varies greatly and is often multidisciplinary, meaning that a range of medical specialties will be involved in treatment, just because the causes for FND are different from person to person. Most commonly, physicians will suggest cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a psychological therapy, but occupational therapy may also be prescribed to relearn functional movement patterns. Without further ado, I am so excited to welcome my first international guest. Hi Jess, how are you? Good Madula, how are you? I'm good. Um, so for my first question, could you just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you like
1: to do for fun or for work? Yeah, sure. Um, so I don't currently work just because of my condition, it kind of disables me enough to not be able to. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of work because I'm an author. So I guess that is my job. <laughs> um, and for fun, I I play video games. So I've always been a gamer <laughs> ever since I can kind of remember. Um, so me and my partner usually just play something together or separately in the same room. Um, I also like to read, and I like to write, obviously, Um, and I like to bake. I'm really into baking.
0: well,
1: I love to to eat, but I can't bake. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I love to eat too, but um, yeah, cooking and baking, but yeah, baking especially. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I just, I love it.
0: (laughs) What's your favorite thing to bake, like cake stuff, or
1: Yeah, cake yeah, like cakes and muffins. I really like making um banana bread. I don't I don't know why, but I'm just obsessed with banana bread. Mm -hmm. Um and my partner loves it when I make make it because a lot of the times I don't have like a cake pan at like at the ready, so I'll just make little Mm -hmm. muffin ones and he takes them to work and he loves it. (laughs)
0: That's cool. Um Could you describe what functional um, FND is and like the causes, symptoms, treatment, and like how many people would have it?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So functional neurological disorder is basically there's a problem with the nervous system and how it processes information. So the brain itself um, can't send signals properly and Mm -hmm. it'll get blocked and basically experience glitches so if you if you do like sort of see it there's this like age old um, way to describe functional neurological disorder whereas like you see it as like a computer so mm-hmm. the hardware is fine so you don't have like any disease damaging nerves you don't have any um, like with MS you don't have any of like the hardening in your brain or your spine um, so if all of that is fine but the software isn't and I do agree to that with that to an extent, <laughs> but as we can see, like in um, functional imaging and stuff like that, we, there is something happening physically. It's just very hard to see with the technology that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, F is um, it affects quite a lot of people. Statistically I'm not too sure number wise, but it seems to affect women more than men. It can affect children. And there seems to maybe be genetics at play, um, causes. We don't know any, but we do understand that they can be triggered by trauma, whether that's a physical trauma or an emotional trauma. So if you've had, um, early life stresses as a child growing up in a household with alcoholism, domestic violence, uh, some people are more prone to developing F through that way. Um, or you might just be healthy one day, have a car crash and have a head injury and wake up and be experiencing functional symptoms. So it's very interesting how these de- how it develops in different people um, and how it presents in different people too. Like it's, it's still very sort of unknown um, and it's not as black and white as what, say, MS or Parkinson's is. So yeah. that's why I think so many people are a little bit confused about it
0: (laughs) yeah I think a lot of like the neurological diseases and disorders there's a lot of research going on right now like I worked at an um Alzheimer's like care center just like Mm -hmm. volunteering and helping with people but I thought it was like really interesting that there's not a lot like known about Alzheimer's like the cures and stuff yeah that I know it's a pretty common like disease in terms of like more people know about it in the recent years but there's still so much research that needs to be done. And I feel like FND, do you agree that it should be the same way? It's like the same way with the research? Mm-hmm. So-
1: Absolutely. And I think like, um, in the, I've only been diagnosed two years and luckily enough in these past two years, I've noticed a huge shift. Like it's almost like a paradigm shift is happening within the medical, um, you know, field, um, to do with FND. Like there's so many more people that know about it now. There's, there's, um, you know, there's more studies happening um, and funding to those studies, which is great because I think to begin with, people were just sort of listening to Freud and the, the Freudian concept of, yeah, it's just um, psychological and they weren't really listening to the fact that, hang on a second, this could be more than that. And obviously now studies and imaging and everything like that is starting to show it's a lot more than, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you first realize you had FND and do you have any stories about how you were diagnosed or your life before your diagnosis?
1: Yeah. Um, so life before diagnosis, I was a fainter. I used to faint a lot. Um, and some doctors will tell you, oh, that's just like young girls. They faint, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, but why? Yeah. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, I was always fainting, especially just being on my feet um, for too long. And I have been um, diagnosed by a cardiologist since saying that I have orthostatic intolerance, which is a form of of, uh, dysautonomia. Um, But I do kind of want to sort of point the finger at FND at being the reason for that too. But obviously at the time I had no idea what that was. Um, But, yeah, my diagnosis, I – honestly, it was fine up until just, I think, I want to say that stress, like, really triggered my, like, my, like, my experience, I think, was the stress (laughs) was the trigger. I know that everyone is different, um, and I'm never going to disregard someone else's experience if if it's different to mine, but um, I just started a new job, and I'd been working in retail for almost 10 years beforehand, and then I'd gone into um, a government sector, so it was, very different to what I was used to. And I was just a bit out of place. I think I was out of my comfort zone, Um, but it was fine. Like I loved it, but it was just, it was a lot to get used to. And I was also doing a traineeship at the same time. So I was studying as well. Um, And then I bought a new car and (laughs) me and my my partner went to go pick it up and it was about four hours away in Coffs Harbour. And that whole ordeal, deal, like I didn't book a, t- a hotel for the right day. Everything went wrong. So anything that you can imagine went wrong, it went wrong. Um, the car dealership themselves were extremely rude and difficult to deal with. And it was just not a nice time. Um, but I got my car and we drove back and I just, I was just not myself. I started to feel very strange and I'd be going to work and the first thing that I experienced were tremors. So I would just be, I was, it was a customer facing job and it was basically, um, I don't know what the U S term is. It's, is it like the, the place where you go for like registered, car registration and licenses?
0: Like the car the DMV? DMV.
1: Is it? Oh,
0: DMV. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, it's kind of the equivalent to that in New South Wales, where I am in Australia, so I was working there, and I started experiencing tremors, and all it was was just my head was just like nodding like a pigeon, and I couldn't control it, and it was very strange. And I was sort of laughing at it, and I was I kind of just fobbed it off as like I had too much caffeine. So I was like, oh look, it, it's fine, um, and it went away, so I wasn't worried. And I think I'm one of those people that kind of just like experiences a weird symptom, and I kind of just fob it off because eh, I can't be really bothered going to the doctor. Um, I have endometriosis as well, and it took me 15 years to get diagnosed. So anything that I experience now, medical wise, I'm very reluctant to go to a medical professional just because of the gaslighting that I went through. I think I have a lot of medical trauma. Um, so yeah, I was quite reluctant, but then I had a seizure at work and that very much just, it really woke me up to like, okay, no, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I got gaslighted by the current, the GP that I was seeing at the time, she said that it was just anxiety and I was like, I don't think, um, anxiety causes seizures. Um, (laughs) and so I kind of stopped seeing her and I went and found another GP and, um, GP stands for general practitioner. It's basically like your primary care doctor. Um, and so, yeah, I went and saw another GP and luckily she helped me. Um, and, yeah, I was off work, obviously, because I'd had a seizure and they were like, you're not coming back until you understand what's going on, um, mm-hmm. just because they couldn't trust that it would happen again. And um, I was rushed to hospital and it was this big ordeal, but I very much stunted my progress to, towards diagnosis because of my <laughs> my reluctance and my she'll be right attitude. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so basically it took months and months and um, I was experiencing more and more symptoms I think because I was extremely stressed about not being able to work and I had like my manager calling me and going hey like have you seen a doctor yet and I was being booked into cardiologists because they thought it was my heart and there was just it was a huge ordeal and it was months and months of just stress and trying to figure out what was wrong and it got to the point where I talked to my GP and I said, look, I'm having tremors every time I stand up. I can't even get out of bed. Um, I'm still seizing. I don't know what to do. And she had booked me in to see a neurologist, but it was about a six months wait. And I just just was like, I can't do this. So she basically, she implored me to go to hospital again. And this time I did. And I was in there for five days. And um, I was seen by the neurological team. They thought it might have been multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had an MRI to basically rule that out. And the neurologist that I saw was very much, I guess, old school in terms of FND. So he very, he, he treated me as if I was just malingering and making it up and wanted attention. Um, and when he gave me the FND diagnosis after ruling out MS and also, I guess, ruling in. FND as well. Like, to his credit, he did do, like, the Hoover side and the, you know, the little tests that they do to sort of, um, I guess, diagnose FND. He told me to go home and Google it, and that was my experience.
0: Wow. I'm so sorry. We're told, like, not to Google stuff because, like, Google always gives you, like, every single result, and you get, yeah. like, well, and also with the medical gaslighting, like, like mm. that's – that is a big part of healthcare, which should not be there because, like, doctors are supposed to serve their patients and be like humble. And, like, humility is like a really big quality that a doctor must have. Absolutely. But,
1: like,
0: yeah, gaslighting is like, that's really bad. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I say that it's like any better in the US, too. I feel like this is like a global issue that needs yeah. to be addressed. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, but I'm so sorry for your journey.
1: That must oh, like, be really <laughs> stressful. Yeah, it was um certainly a interesting time.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're like diagnosed now and I really hope that other like that same doctor isn't telling other people to go Google their condition. Yeah, yet.
1: well, that's the thing that I'm sort of worried about. I have no idea, but um yeah, the I think I've got I've got like I've got hope because the psychologist that I see that specializes in FND works at the same hospital. And he told me that he was educating the doctors and nurses there about FND and to basically not be, um, rude <laughs> to patients. <laughs> so I'm hoping that that kind of sunk in for him or oh, the neurologist.
0: Yeah. Um, so are there, well, obviously that leads into my next question, all the mistakes that your doctor made trying to diagnose your condition and stuff. Um, specifically are there any like research ongoing research that you know to make this like a more well-known condition do you know of any specific research projects
1: worldwide on fnd worldwide um well not exactly i know like fnd australia does a lot um and so does fnd action and they sort of do like kind of branch out worldwide um studies studies I'm always trying to keep an eye on them as much as I can. Um, But I have also taken a step back from just my life with F&D as much Mm -hmm. as I can, just in terms of like uh, researching and kind of thinking about it. (laughs) As weird as that sounds, I think um, sometimes you do have to just take a step back and have a break just in, yeah, in terms of just like, your whole life revolving around it because that's my whole aim of the game is to just not have my life revolving around my illness. Um, And so (laughs) that's very much been my go-to. So I think like I'm probably the wrong person to ask currently about um, that. But like from what I've seen, just what like what I said about um, my psychologist little things like that, that have been happening. And I know it's not just that hospital where it's been happening. I know it's been happening overseas as well, um, where someone is, like they understand what FND is and they're passionate about it and they're teaching others. I think that's like the most effective way to spread awareness and understanding about what FND is because charities and like, you know, these big like FND Awareness Day, as Amazing as they are, and they do work, and they get awareness. I think it's the the smaller, more quieter um, ones that spread awareness that is more effective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just my opinion. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, in terms of answering that question properly, I'm unfortunately I can't. I'm sorry. Like I, yeah. I don't know. But from what I've seen, it's been working. Like the little, yeah, the little guys. <laughs>
0: It's good to know that, like, your diagnosis, like, sparked a change inside that hospital system and, like, stuff, or hospitals nearby. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any misconceptions about FND that, like, annoy you or you want to address?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, just going back to Freud, and I do know that a question is coming up, so I won't really talk about it too much because I noticed when I had a quick read through. Yeah. Um, just the conception that, like, we, we're making it up and we're, we're in control of this, um, it, it's so wrong. And I I don't think people understand that, like, malingerers are a really small percentage. I think it's, like, 1% of people that show up to a hospital. I don't know. It's an extremely small percent of people that show up to a hospital saying, you know, I've I've been experiencing this, um, these symptoms are faking it. It's just mm-hmm. – it's – Almost like not well known at all, um, and I—it's just—it's so annoying because it's like you think that we're faking it, but like statistically, that's that's just not happening, you know. Like, um, mm. so yeah, I think that is a, a huge misconception about FNDs that we're in control of it and we're making it up just because I don't know we're lazy, um, and I think that it's also a misconception that. I had when I first was diagnosed, I think because I, I didn't understand what FND was completely until I did heaps of, you know, research and I talked to my, um, FND specialist about it, but I had that misconception of myself simply because others had it of me. And that really frustrated me too, because I knew that I wasn't in control, but I was also gaslighting myself. Um, and it's really damaging, really damaging. And I
0: feel like that's also the case with a lot of the mental health um, disorders, like depression, anxiety. People think that um, people who have it are in control and they just need to, like, not stress out and stuff. But really, it's like actual um, psych or it's actually like a difference in your brain that causes it. So yes, you're in full control over. And I think that's really important to recognize.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, are there any changes you made in your lifestyle to accommodate for f
1: A lot. <laughs> um, some that I was unwilling to give up, I think. Um, just I uh, obviously like I don't drive when I'm having seizures because that's silly. <laughs> um, and it's um, in Australia, it's six months after a seizure. You can like if you're seizure free for six months, you can drive again. Um, so I have had to really rely on other people to get to appointments and, you know, and then when the times that I can drive, it's, it's great, but, um, I'm still extremely careful and I don't drive too far by myself. So yeah, lifestyle, God, like I don't work anymore. So that's had a huge impact on just my life in general. Um, socially, I don't really get out of the house much, (laughs) Um, uh, exercise, I guess, yeah, I've, I've gained a lot of weight because I've been just, I guess, stationary. I'm, I'm not as mobile as I was, but I am going to physio soon. So I'm hoping that's going to change, but (laughs) I digress. Um, yeah, there's just, there's been, it's affected my life more than any other, you know, medical condition that I've had. Um, just, it's taken basically everything from me, but I think I've, I've really um, strived to make sure that it hasn't taken everything. And I've, I've made sure that I've switched things up. So like, you know, I I can't work anymore, but now I'm an author, so I can make, you know, a bit of money there. And Mm -hmm. um, I can't really go out and ride my horse anymore, but I can still go see her and that still helps me mentally um I can't walk my dog very far because my legacy's up but I can take her down the road and back and still you know that helps so I think it's just yeah adjusting to everything because my entire lifestyle has been affected um but you know you can't do anything about it unfortunately oh you can but you can't get back to what you were because it's just unfortunately the way it is yeah
0: yeah but I think that's really good that you've made changes to accommodate for all of this and are like flexible and yeah your career as an author that's so cool I always wanted yeah. to write but I never like put myself to it I always got like intimidating it- oh really
1: intimidating. <laughs> intimidated yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, just my advice is just write literally just sit down at a computer and start writing because there's no other way to start and you'll find you'll probably find that you'll pick it up um and just be like oh actually this is going somewhere and you'll keep going and that's just that's how it begins
0: yeah a side question um if a person sees another person having a seizure should that person like help them or like what should they do
1: yeah um yeah so it depends on the seizure that they're having if it's and obviously that's really hard to tell <laughs> because you don't know but um, if this person has like a, a lanyard on them that shows what condition they have, um, it's always best to ring an ambulance. That's the first thing. Second is to make sure that they are safe. Um, and so, you know, put something under their head if they're on the ground. If they're on like lying on a lounge or, you know, at risk of falling, halt, just like gently just make sure that they're not going to fall off. Don't restrain them at all let them do like what, you know, their body needs to do. Um, And if it's a functional seizure, like if you know that this person has FND, um, they're usually aware. So talking to them and remaining calm is like the number one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, yeah, in my experience with my seizures, I'm usually aware of my surroundings, not completely, but to an extent. So I can actually hear people talking and having those people just be calm and talk to me through it um, really, really helps because it's just, like, I'm able to sort of centre myself and not get carried away, if that makes sense. Um, But, yeah, I think calling an ambulance with functional um, seizures isn't always necessary, especially with mine. Like, I would get a bit cross at someone if they called an ambulance, but but that's not their fault. Um, But if it is an epileptic seizure, it's... Definitely they should, but, um, yeah, just remain calm and, um, make sure that that person is safe basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially
0: with the cost of ambulances here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly why. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, do you think there's a societal stigma against FND? Like, has anyone discouraged you in a way after you figured out you had FND?
1: Yeah. Um. Going back to that neurologist that diagnosed me, um, I went and had a nerve conduction study with him. And I was using a walking stick at the time because when I was admitted in hospital, um, the neurophysios came and they walked me around the ward with... First, we tried crutches and next, we tried a walking stick. And they basically said, use this walking stick whenever you feel you need to. Um, They're like, you know, you need it, you're allowed. Because I think there's this like weird thing around mobility aids where, um, especially with ambulatory users such as myself, where we feel weird about um, using <laughs> using aids because it's almost like we're not allowed or we don't have permission. Um, and it's such a silly thing, but it's very much a societal thing because, you know, when I was in um, the grocery store and I was using my walking stick, I get weird looks from people because I just I don't look like, I need it as stupid as that sounds. Um, so yeah, like society has really forced us as ambulatory users to sort of not rely on them. And so there's been like things like that. So like with this neurologist, I went and had this nerve conduction study and he kind of just looked at me and he asked like, why are you using a walking stick? And I, I said like, I, I need it. <laughs> like, cause at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time, I needed it. Like my mobility was really bad, and my legs were very stiff. And he just kind of like rolled his eyes, like, "Oh, this girl is really just milking it," sort of thing. That's the impression that I got anyway. And I really didn't appreciate it. Like it was just unnecessary. Um, and I felt extremely embarrassed because there was two nurses with him too, and I just they were just all looking at me. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot just. It's really – and it doesn't help that no one – like, not many people understand FND as well. So, like, you've got that up against you too because it's like, oh, you're – because a lot of people still think it's a mental health thing. And, yes, mental health has a huge thing to do with it. Like, I'm never going to not deny that. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) it's just – it's really frustrating because it's just – not only do they not understand, they're also seeing you as a young – you know, if you are young, a young person using, you know, a wheelchair or a walking stick, and they're like, you don't need that. <laughs> and it's really crazy how many people are nosy that way. Like, <laughs>
0: you yeah. yeah. yeah, can get rid of that stigma, because like, um I was talking with another person with uh, Frederick's ataxia, and she's writing books to encourage people, like, teach them how to communicate with people in a wheelchair. And like, Um, encourage like friendships between them at such a young age like it's a children's book
1: yeah that's awesome
0: yeah little steps like that like being taught how to communicate with people who are kind of like different from you at a younger age is really important
1: yeah that's a really good point
0: I personally in school like no one ever taught me that but um I'm glad to see like future generations might have it better
1: yeah yeah that's what I'm hoping for too
0: so my next question, it um, we kind of talked about it before, but I'm sure you're familiar with Sigmund Freud um, calling FND, con- uh, he called FND conversion disorder, and mm-hmm. he said that it's a disorder of the mind, not brain. And obviously, it's clear that he drew these conclusions off of insufficient evidence, but Freudian psychology seems to affect like millions of people even today. So do you think Freudian psychology should be revisited? And um, if we as society should like start questioning his research.
1: Mm, I think we should. Yeah, absolutely. Just because when you think about it, these textbooks were written like, what, over 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's what psychologists and doctors are are referring to every time, you know, when they they go and study in medical school, (laughs) they're looking at like 100 year old um, evidence and studies and ideals that are just so many of them are morally wrong for one Mm -hmm. and two they're just outdated they really are and this is this is in terms of F&D and other conditions as well um and look I'm not saying that everything that Freud did was wrong but look he was weird he was a weirdo (laughs) um and yeah he did a lot for like psychology of course but like so will someone else in the future and they'll probably completely rewrite everything that he has done and disregard so many of his findings um and I should put findings in like a possible you know the quotations quotations yeah thank you (laughs) um yeah I just a lot of Doctors, okay, let me just put it simply. The new neurologist that I'm seeing, she is, um, you know, a young female neurologist. She's, you know, extremely versed on neurological conditions and she's got an interest in FND. When I told her about the neurologist that um, diagnosed me, she immediately asked how old he was. (laughs) And I said, I don't know, maybe around like 60, 70. And... She said, yeah, we try and keep F&D away from the old men. <laughs> and that's basically, that sums up what I'm trying to say. <laughs> is It's outdated. The, the Everything that they think that they know about F&D is just basically it's wrong. And sorry, my dog is whining in the background. I don't know if you can hear her. Um, and yeah. that's basically all I'm going to say about it because she summed it up perfectly is we try and keep every day away from the old (laughs) man.
0: Yeah. In a hundred years, like that's a long time itself, but like, especially medicine, like and neuroscience, it's like a constantly developing field. So a hundred years, really old. Like, yeah, we should definitely question his research as it was so long ago. And I'm glad to see there are many like younger Neurologists who are taking an interest in FND and maybe other like mental health conditions, um, like mm. depression, yeah, and like it's really like invoking this change, I feel
1: like definitely, yeah. I think we're i I have hope definitely for mm-hmm. what is to come because um yeah, I think we are getting somewhere. Even, and like I said before, like even in the two years I've been diagnosed, I've noticed a huge shift, and it's good. It's it's for the good for sure,
0: yeah. Um. So this is a question about healthcare. So in the U.S., um, we don't have free healthcare. It probably costs like a hundred thousand for like over a five day stay at a hospital. So is your experience in Australia with healthcare like money wise any better? Or like, do you get any healthcare benefits? Or do you guys have free healthcare?
1: Yeah. Um. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> no. I know. I feel so bad talking to. You people that don't have free healthcare every time I like do a podcast or something like this. Um, yeah, so in Australia, we're extremely lucky. We do have free healthcare. Um, so say I go to the hospital and I stay there for however long I need to stay there because, you know, my life is threatened by an illness or whatever it is. Um, all the tests they do there, everything is – I will walk out of hospital not having to pay a cent. Um, if an ambulance took me there, I do have to pay for the ambulance, but also if I am on Centrelink and I have a low income healthcare card, I don't have to pay for the ambulance. Um, if I'm a pensioner, so like geriatric don't have to, um, in terms of like my experience seeing specialists. So seeing my neurologist, seeing, um, ophthalmologist for my eyes, um, cardiologist, you know, you name it anyone who specialises in something, you do have to pay for them. And usually it's um, close to around $400, but you usually get about half that back through Medicare. Wow. So you do have to pay, but it's okay. (laughs) Like it's it's better than paying for all of it. And then with your, like your general practitioner, um, i.e. your primary care provider, um, you... I was being bulk billed for my like to see my GP um, and it was really great because I just never had to pay for it. But we're kind of slacking off, like the government is kind of slacking off because um, simply like doctor surgeries can't afford like the rent and to pay for the doctors and everything like that. So a lot of them are stopping bulk billing. But you get charged around like 70 bucks, I think, and you get um, I think you get about like 30 to 40 back. So still pretty good. Um, So, yeah, Australia is really, really great, but it could also be better. But at the same time, I can't talk because of America. (laughs) I know America is a lot worse, and hopefully it does change for you guys.
0: Yeah, I don't see why we don't have free healthcare because, like, what it really does is it discourages a lot of people who have, like, um, a lower income from even seeing a primary care physician. And we have Medicaid, which is, like, Um, if you make a certain amount of money below like a level you get some help and aid but it's like definitely not enough and we also have medicare which is if you're like older than i think 65 but it's like it's not enough to pay and what just ends up happening is people don't go and see their doctor because they're like scared of the bills not their like their condition they're scared of the money so it just causes problems i hope we make a
1: change in that area and get free healthcare. I hope so too. Cause that's awful. Like it's just, it, it kind of, it's just, it, it's a basic human right to have access to healthcare mm-hmm. and like free access. So yeah. the fact that you guys don't, I just, yeah, feel awful. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, my next question, do you feel like you have a strong support system? Like your friends and family?
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely lucky in that regard. Cause I know some people don't, Um, but yeah, I, I do absolutely, I live alone with my partner and so he's the one that kind of faces the brunt of, you know, all of my symptoms and the poor guy has had to hold me down and protect me from falling over and, um, you know, talk me through seizures, God, countless times. Um, and yeah, I would not have been able to do it without him. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, same goes with, yeah, my parents, my sister, my best friend. Yeah, they're all really great. They um, mm-hmm. they took the time to sort of, like, understand what FND is so that, you know, they knew what I was going through as much as they could. Um, yeah, so I, I, count my, yeah, I count myself very lucky for having them. Great, yeah. Uh, this is, like, a
0: really unrelated question. Um, <laughs> Australia, do you guys have, like, those giant spiders that, like, we see on TV.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a lot of spiders. Here. <laughs> we've got the huntsman's and then we have bird eating spiders, but they're only really found bird eating spiders are only found in like the daintree, I think. So like f- further North in Queensland, um, but huntsman's, Oh God, they're almost a daily occurrence. And they're the ones that you got to be scared of just because like, of how unpredictable they are. They're terrifying. Like they are very like skittish. So they run and yeah, I ha- I ha- I'm arachnophobic like big time, so I'm yeah. like scared of fruit flies, so. Maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe don't move here.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so back to, back on topic. Um, <laughs> are there any ways you're advocating for FND and are there any special messages you're trying to put out with like your advocation?
1: Yeah. Um, so when I was diagnosed and when I was told to go home and Google it, I did. <laughs> I went home and I Googled it. And when I realized that it was a very stigmatized um, condition and that there wasn't like a not a, a lot known about it, um, I sort of just like took it upon myself and I started my Instagram account, um, Functionally Jess, and just all I wanted to do was just like have it as like a page that was like basically a one-stop shop <laughs> is mm-hmm. what I call it for information about functional neurological disorder. So anyone that was um, either diagnosed or had a family member that was diagnosed could go there and just look at all of basically the literature that's on FND that we currently have at hand. and it, But explained in a way that is in layman's terms because reading these studies was a lot like there's so much like medical jargon and you know it was just I wanted to kind of simplify it <laughs> not only for other people but for myself too um so yeah in terms of awareness that's what I've done I've also um got my own segment on another podcast called the FND podcast with deddy and yeah that's basically just talking about my experiences um and in terms of what I'm trying to do to like to get a message out it's to tell people that they can still have a, you know, fulfilling and enriched life with FND Um, simply because that's what I'm striving for and like I'm getting little snippets of it so I know it's possible. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it's going to be hard, of course, but it's not the end of the world. Um, And just to, yeah, I guess – just to be like their own advocate too, because I think a lot of people listen to or like what doctors are saying and they listen to the horror stories and they get very, I guess, like lost and scared about what they need to do for themselves. And so mm-hmm. it's just really understanding your condition, understanding it not only in yourself and your experiences with it, but in others as well. Um, and even just as well as that, FND just simply what it is <laughs> that we know um because I think with understanding becomes uh with understanding comes um less it, it's less scary okay. is what I'm gonna say otherwise I'm just gonna talk in circles <laughs> oh,
0: That's really great like someone else who is like newly diagnosed with f d could visit your page and not be as scared and probably also not have like the experience you had of having to google every single like sign, symptom, having like people discourage you to. I think looking at your Insta and um, sources like that would really like help another person not be as scared.
1: Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um,
0: so that going along with that, do you have any specific resources that um, you find especially helpful or you think other people might find helpful uh, who have f
1: and um, Yeah, there's a website called um, oh, do I need to quickly look at it? <laughs> I think it's called fnd.org. Oh, it's been so long since I've been It's on my link tree.
0: Okay. I can link it in the... Um...
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, sorry for delaying this. Um, I just don't want to give, like, the wrong address, that's all. Mm-hmm. It, but it's by... Um, so it's a it's a website and it's about FND and it's got so much stuff. It's called neurosymptoms.org. Sorry. And it's by a neurologist. So it's really good in terms of just like getting really succinct and, um, correct knowledge about F and and it has everything. It's got symptoms, causes, treatment, um, and then stories about people and facts and yeah, all sorts. And it's a really good resource source for someone who's newly diagnosed even someone that has been diagnosed for ages but hasn't mm-hmm. had the chance to, I guess, look f and up. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. And it's really funny because I went and saw my neurologist and she recommended the website and I was like, I already know it. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think that's probably the only resource I've really kind of, like, actively used. Um mm-hmm yeah i think yeah i think that's <laughs> that's the only one i can think of
0: yeah well thanks for the link i'll link it below and like the yeah sure um okay and my last question is what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to another person who's diagnosed with f and or someone who keeps getting like gaslighted by their doctors uh, and like their doctor's not taking
1: them seriously mm-hmm. um I think some people are like scared to get a second opinion sometimes. Um, but in terms of like, if you are getting gaslighted by a doctor, that's kind of your only choice is to go seek someone else. Because I think as far as my experience goes, I just, you never get through to them if they're gaslighting you and if they're just not listening to you. Um, so the best thing to do is just just not see them anymore and see someone else. And hopefully it doesn't – because in my experience with endometriosis, it took me 15 years, so hopefully it doesn't take that long for someone else. <laughs> but um, with my experience with FND, it was a, a lot faster, so that was nice at least. But, yeah, definitely just don't be afraid to see someone else. And I know that's, like, easy to say for someone that lives in Australia and, you know, has Medicare and, I guess, like, benefits in terms of not having to pay as much. Um mm-hmm but it is your health that's on the line. So, you know, yeah. sometimes we have no choice. And it's unfortunate that it even has to happen at all because it's not your fault that it's happening. It's the doctor's. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would say just be your own advocate. So, like, whether you're diagnosed or not, I guess if you think that you have F&D, look it up and understand what it is and say, yep, I've got all these symptoms. I think investigating needs to be done. Or if you've just been diagnosed, same thing. Look it up, understand it. Um, write down your triggers. Write down your symptoms. All sorts um, that you can do to really advocate for yourself. Yeah. That's um, place. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just basically being com- as confident as you can, and take someone with you to appointments if you're not, or if you like have, if you have like aphasia or something and you can't talk properly
0: which is what was happening
1: with me. I was just taking someone to an appointment that knew what to say and that helped a lot too.
0: Yeah. That's really good advice. I, I hope like the whole medical gaslighting thing, like I hope more doctors are more informed on conditions and we don't listen to like a hundred year old research. We get. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do have to say that the gaslighting has happened more in like older um, doctors than younger ones so I think it is changing we just need the older ones to retire (laughs) and we should be okay
0: (laughs) well um I really enjoyed talking to you and I learned so much about FND I actually didn't even know what this was like a month ago yeah yeah after reaching out to you and I learned so much so thank you for this opportunity and I loved hearing you talk about all your experiences and I'm so sorry about your diagnosis story like it took like a while with the googling and stuff but I'm glad to see you're doing better right now
1: thank you and thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it because it's this is like what I was talking about before this is the awareness that definitely helps
0: (laughs) well thank you thank you